Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm joined, as I am each week, by entrepreneur, former mm-hmm. Glory World Champion, the voice mm-hmm. of Glory Kickboxing, uh, at least the color commentary voice. I don't want to throw Todd Grisham under the bus. There you go. Joe Valtellini, thanks for joining me as, uh, as always. Yeah, excited here. We're doing it a little earlier in the week, which is nice, a little bit more fresh, and uh, we'll get a little bit better analysis on what happened this weekend. Well, what happened was Surreal Gone comes into Houston, trolls the fans with music from Houston, trolls Derek Lewis on Twitter, and does it all with a big smile on his face. Yeah, yeah. He was having fun. Yeah, he was having fun. Yeah. Well, you watch him on on Embedded, and it's hard not to like this guy. He's got such like a big personality. It seems like he's having fun all the time. He, he doesn't have a bad word to say about anybody. He's just like he's just having a good time. Yeah, he's like almost like a, a big kid enjoying the process, which is nice to see. Didn't let the nerves get to him. He's confident. You know, I think he's gonna be a a nice you know role model for the sport, and especially to to represent France the way he does, and to put you know mixed martial arts over there. It's, he's doing some big things. Well, some pretty amazing, like the amazing thing is uh, tomorrow is the two-year anniversary of his UFC debut. So he's been in the UFC for less than two years and has risen to an interim championship. And uh, another thing I noticed yesterday is he's never lost a round. He's only had one judge score a round against him in his entire UFC career. Just a dominant, dominant career so far for Cyril Ghosn. And he's raised, you know, risen to the top of this division. And now he's facing his former training partner, uh, Francis Ngannou, at some point in time. And uh, I'm eager to see what happened there because uh that's uh, a very interesting matchup because i think people are going to look at it the same way as this fight is you know he's basically got to not get hit by francis and he did that against Derek lewis so i think people are just going to assume that the same thing is going to happen in that fight cyril gone was the favorite and now it's back to even money yeah so for the francis fight yeah for the francis fight wow okay i mean there's Derek lewis power you know, there's Rosenstruck power, but then there's Nagano power, and I think it's a little bit different. You know, that he's got. Uh, I just, uh, I just heard Luke Thomas say he's got the 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 dim mock. You know, like if he touches you, he puts you out. He's got that special, you know, um, power to him. So, I think Nagano's going to be able to close the distance a little bit more. I think he's going to be more confident pressuring. So I think it's a great fight, but you've seen what we talked about, the way Gon manages distance, all in, all out, you know, good angles, bounces on his feet, nice and light, uses kicks well. I mean, it's going to be a, a tough fight. Like I said, Francis, I think, is going to be one of the forever the scariest guy in the division. I think Francis should be a slight favorite, but Gon knows what he's doing, you know, good kickboxing, good distance, and I mean, he can, he, he'll do well. I'm going to see what the odds are at now. They seem to keep changing. It went from minus, it was basically even money, and then it went to minus 130 gone, then minus 150 gone, and now it's That's back. Insane. Now it's back to, last time I checked was minus 115, minus 115. So I'll pull it up on my phone actually Jeez, here. But... What, am I, uh, what am I missing here? All right. Yeah, like, because I, 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 would, I, I would take Ngannou at even money. I mean, would you not? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I thought he would be at least, I would say at least, Nagano minus 150. Yeah, Gon's minus 122 now, and Ganu plus 102 is the current odds on Bet Online. Wow. Interesting. So, yeah, that's uh, pretty interesting indeed. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I, I just think that Nganu is a different kind of animal than Derek Lewis. He's much more athletic. He's uh, really improved his game. I don't think wrestling is going to be a factor. 
But, I mean, hey, we saw him get frustrated by Stipe Miocic when he was unable to uh, do anything about the wrestling. He, he tried, and he was, but he eventually just started swinging for the fences. And if he does that against Gon, Gon will pick him apart. Yeah. yeah I don't know. It's just uh, with Nagano now, I'm even hearing with negotiation stuff. Is that is that something that you're hearing? So this fight could be, you know, pushed back a bit? Well, Gon has said he wants to take a couple months off because, I mean... I don't think there's been anybody in the UFC that's logged the amount of cage time this guy has in the last two years. Uh, it's like it's so again. His anniversary was is two year anniversary of joining the UFC is, is tomorrow. So we had one fight that was one round, then almost three entire rounds against Dontel Mays, three full rounds against Bozer, uh, round and a half against uh, Junior Dos Santos, twenty five minutes against Rosenstreich, twenty five minutes against Volkov, and nearly fifteen minutes against Derek Lewis. All of that in two years. I mean, yeah. that's a lot of cage time. Uh, yeah. So I think the guy has earned some a little bit of time off. He's having a baby and wants to just take a couple months off. But I think that during that time off, <laughs> that's when they're going to have to figure stuff out with Nganu because things have been getting ugly in that regard in terms yeah. of the negotiations. Yeah. I, I I mean, I was hearing a lot of people saying that it, uh, this fight, uh, Gon's fight could potentially be with someone else before the Nganu fight. I heard people even saying Stipe possibly because Stipe has been pretty vocal about wanting you know, Nagano again. So what do you think? I think they got to sort stuff out with Nganu. Nganu's healthy. Like, I mean, you can't just keep shelving your champion because of negotiations. Like, has that ever happened in the UFC where, where a guy's just, they've been having trouble with negotiations, they just keep them on, keep a champion on the shelf? I can't but, think of a situation like that. But Nagano's pay-per-view numbers are, are aren't they fairly good where they'd want to pay him a little bit more or are it's they hard not to, quite there? It's hard to gauge, right? Because... I don't know. Like, what, what was? Let me see what the numbers were for, for Nganu versus Stipe. Because that's a good indicator of where he's at. Because I would say that during the first Stipe fight, I think Stipe was probably more of a draw. But I think this time around, Nganu's the bigger draw. Let's see buy rate for UFC 260. Let's see if it's if it says uh, UFC 260 earns lowest ratings of 2021 for pay per view. Okay. But is that on TV or is that buys? Yeah. The, sorry, that's that's the that's the TV portion, not the the pay per view. But that's not really a good indicator of what it you know what it did. It, believe me, if they're not putting out the numbers, they weren't good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that. if, that's that's basically the reality of the situation. If sports if Sports Business Journal hasn't gotten the numbers, they probably weren't very good numbers. Yeah, I agree with you. So uh, maybe that's what it is, right? You got to push the needle to get the big pay, and maybe they're not happy with things, or but still, the who he is, like. The heavyweight champion in any combat sport should be your biggest paid star. You know, that that's what combat sports is based on. They always say with boxing itself, like boxing goes with a heavyweight division. As things are changing a little bit more now, but I mean, you got to think who's the biggest size on always the heavyweights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, I, I think that Cyril Ghosn versus Ganu is a fight that I just really would love to see. I think that those guys are yeah. right now the two best heavyweights, at least guys that are competing at heavyweight in the division. I, I hate to write Stipe out of that, but I, I feel like Ghosn would be a big favorite over Stipe if they were going to face each other. Would you agree? Yeah, I just think Stipe's good at mixing things up, but I still think Ghosn will be able to do what he does best. I mean, I think Ghosn's just sharp, but I, I kind of, I've been kind of like thinking ahead, like Ghosn, John Jones, potential future. Could That's be an interesting fantastic. one. Because they're very similar. Like they're just very yeah. similar fighters in terms of Long, how they control rangey. range, distance. Yeah. Good kicking on both sides, mix things up well. So I think Ghosn has some, some potential, but 
I don't necessarily love the narrative that people are pushing that it's a it's a boring style. I mean, he does what he does, and you got to appreciate the beauty of him managing distance. Look at the the fight stats in his last fight; he barely got hit, and next thing you know, he's he's piecing up. You know, Lewis, a big power puncher. So I think this is the style. I like that Daniel Cormier said he's kind of, kind of like an evolution to the to the heavyweight division. So it's kind of great, a similar approach potential. to Robin, not Robin Van Rusman. Sorry, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rico. He's kind of like a similar approach to Rico. He pieces, he picks you apart, picks you apart, picks you apart, and then goes for the kill when he sees the opening. Yeah, take your time. Like, why are you going to commit when? As a heavyweight with four-ounce gloves, you can't just go into a fight and, and just take chances like that. Wear them down, pick them apart, and then get your finishes in your third and fourth round, right? Too many times, guys are rushing finishes. And, I mean, if you rush it and you don't get it, and then you're screwed for the, the rest of the fight. And five-minute rounds is a, is a different game. I thought that Lewis's strategy at the beginning was good to just go up against the cage instead of, like, be in open space with him kind of get gone to close in on you, and then you can throw those big bombs off the cage using the leverage. I mean, I think that he had the right idea. It's just it's hard to execute a guy against a guy who's as fast as gone. Yeah, and I, I thought Lewis felt like I, like he was trying to throw kicks a lot more. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was whipping his kicks. He was trying to, to do things. But my thing is with, with Lewis now, eventually you can't rely on one big punch no more. I mean, there's got to be a little bit more to your game and style than, than the one punch. I mean, yeah, there's different ways to set it up, but you need a little bit more now. And with a guy who's so experienced on the feet and with range, you can't just throw one big power punch and expect to beat, you know, uh, a kickboxing specialist. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, Lewis, his formula has gotten him as far as it's gotten him. It's gotten the two title fights in the UFC. I mean, the guy's still... Can do what he does very well, and just in this one, I think the nerves must have gotten to him. I mean, he's in Houston. You've got Gone walking out to still tipping, so everybody starts cheering because they think it's Lewis walking out because it's a Houston rap, like a Houston, yeah. an iconic Houston rap. Everybody cheers, and then they see Gone and they start booing. So he's kind of trolling Lewis in his own backyard. Lewis yeah. didn't do any post-fight stuff. Didn't do a post-fight interview with Rogan. Didn't do the press conference. I think he was humiliated. I. I and I, I, I kind of see why. He, he laid an egg in front of his home crowd, and it's hard, to, uh, it's hard to get past something like that. But that being said, the odds, as they were indicated, were gone 4-1 to one favorite, and that's how the yeah. fight looked, right? So yeah. the odds of Derek Lewis winning that fight were stacked against him. So I, I don't think it's, it's an indication of Derek Lewis you know, laying an egg or not being as good as he is. I just think gone is that good. Yeah, no, I agree. Gone... He's, he's a specialist on the feet in his range, and I think what's happening is he's getting good fights where he's not really being over-tested with wrestling and stuff like that. That's why I kind of think Stipe would be a really tough fight for him because I think that experience of you know, being able to push him up against the cage. Because right now, Gon seems to just be better at pushing guys against the cage, but someone who can really pressure his legs and grapple him and put him into, you know, I don't know, like different clinch positions, shoot for the leg. He needs a, a strong wrestler to beat him. And mm-hmm. I think maybe Stipe, who can box and, you know, clinch and could give him a tough fight, but yeah. it's going to be hard. I don't, I don't know, know about Blades. Like, Blades, I think, on the feet would be get picked apart by Gon. He would have to land takedowns in order to beat Cyril Gon. And Blades is a really good wrestler, but if you don't give Blades any space, he's not going to be able to get you down. Like, Gon, I think, would just be able to control the distance yeah. against him. Still, still, I think that would be a good be test for him mm-hmm. in like an interesting way. I mean, I think it would just be more as like, uh, let's test him with the opposite of who's the best on the ground to see how he does. You right. know? 
that would yeah. be a, a, an interesting be in that. test for him. And I think Stipe, you're right, is probably the worst matchup for him in the division, like just just uh, in terms of skill for skill. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's hope. I don't. Let's. I don't know what Stipe is up to these days. I mean, is it one or two more left, or we'll have to see. Yeah. So who well. knows where his mind is right now, and it's going to be a tough one to, after a big loss and to Nagano like that. I'm surprised he's rushing back for that. Well, I think he just wants the title shot. Like, I don't think he's rushing back. I think he either wants John Jones or a title shot, and that's it, right? Like, apparently he was offered John Jones, and John said he's not fighting this year. So let's see what happens. I mean, John Jones is going to make us miss him. Like, it's going to be like two years between appearances for John Jones, which is interesting. Yeah, it's it's frustrating to see him waiting so long, to be honest. It's like prime years. Come on. It is prime years. I agree with you. They're, they're great years, and how much longer? I don't know what the reasoning is. Is it to be the bigger heavyweight? Is it waiting for money? Who knows what the actual reasoning is, but it's prime time that we're wasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you, and I, I think that he wants a lot of money. I mean, listen, he's always said, if I move up to heavyweight, they need to reward me. I, you know, I've got four ki- four daughters, and I don't want to risk you know, like brain damage, basically, long-term brain damage. And I, I mean, listen, that's a fair thing to say. Uh, but at the yeah. same time, I think John could have probably stayed at light heavyweight and continued to be the champion there and make good money, yeah, he, right? Like he kept raking in, for yeah. sure. Although the challengers sure. were running thin. Like, if he would have beaten Jan Blachowicz, I don't think people would have ever known how good Jan Blachowicz was, right? Like, <laughs> I don't yeah. think... True, true. You know, Very like, good point. just because you're, John Jones is better than you doesn't mean you're not, like, better than everybody else in the division. It's just John Jones is that good. Yeah. Nah. But, I mean, you're right. He could have kept his money there, made huge dominance and legacy in the division and but hey go for the money you deserve it you're one of the pioneers who elevated the sport hey go get your money i agree you're just going to open the doors and help other guys once you break certain barriers yeah absolutely well gon's our new interim champion he'll be facing francis and ganu most likely next and we'll see how that goes the co-main event jose aldo what a clinic he put on against pedro munoz i mean this guy well, here, here's what I'm, my thought on uh, Jose Aldo. Like, his best years are behind him, but that doesn't mean that he's, like, not still, like, a 10 out of 10 fighter, right? Like, yeah. Uh, here's my question to you, and this is the one that I, I'm having trouble trying to figure out. It's like, did Aldo get worse, or did everybody else just get better, right? Like, because I think Aldo, in his prime, was pound for pound number top three, basically. Like, he was basically unbeatable until Connor knocked him out. But yeah. I think Connor knocking him out is a product of just everybody else getting better in that division. We got to remember that when Aldo was reigning over the featherweight division before he came to the UFC, it was just the WEC. There weren't a lot of people aspiring to be featherweight fighters because there just wasn't that much money in it. Then when it moved yeah. to the UFC, now you've got all these younger guys coming up and becoming really good. So, I mean, I know how great Aldo is. We saw it this past weekend. But is it a matter of him you know, getting worse over time, or is it just a matter of everybody else getting better? Because I would think it's the latter. I, I mean, yeah. based on what we saw this past weekend, Aldo is still Aldo. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's everybody else evolving a little bit. When Aldo was in that big, dominant, you know, run that he had, he was just better than everyone anywhere. Like, his grappling, his, his striking, everything was just better. Then everybody started to match a little bit more. But I think Aldo has changed a little bit too as a fighter i think he has has had to evolve a little bit more um i still don't understand i think what he's improved his his boxing Mm -hmm. is fantastic he stopped with the leg kicks (laughs) you know where i was going there i was slowly warming it up he landed a good one right in the beginning of the fight and i was like okay aldo let's go leg kicks he did 
He did, but you know where I'm heading. His boxing's good. His head movement's sharp. Combinations, fantastic. Level changing, ripping the body, fantastic. Why, Aldo? Just give me an answer. I wish uh, he would give me an answer. Why he stops? They're there all the time. They were his best weapon. It's like me being a known for my low kicks, never low kicking anymore. Like, how does that just? Well, what if he messed up his leg? I don't. I mean, who knows, right? It could be an underlying problem. Yeah, but still, we'd see. He throws them in the fights. He, we see him mm-hmm. land them really, really well. His boxing is improving, which means his low kick timing is going to be even better because people are more scared of the hand, which helped. In his old days, he would take some shots to give a punch, to get a kick. Like Now, like I mean, if he merged the low kicks with his boxing, I think they would be that much better. So, I don't know. Regardless, looks great at his age. I think people think that he's some old man, but he's younger than me. Yeah, I think he's only th- 35 years old, so I still think we can see him do some work. Yeah, he's not even 35 yet. He's turning 35 soon. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't think he's, at least since he's joined the WEC, he's never lost to an older fighter. And uh, Munoz is like five days older than him. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that streak continues. What I don't like for Aldo, and I mean, I know he's having great success at bantamweight, but he looks like he's struggling fight week, man. Like how much yeah. he drains himself with the weight cuts, and every time I've the embedded, I'm watching yeah, Monday, the, the Monday night, blankets he's all still over in him. the sauna, so yeah. he's sweating, and then guess the Tuesday embedded, he's still sweating and cutting out in the sauna. So every um, you know vlog, I think they're the embedded, they're basically of him in the weight cut sauna, and he looks so fragile, his face sunk in, like. He just looked like he's draining himself. But on fight, he looked so win. big. He looked so much yeah, bigger than Munoz. Great. But how is that now when he starts going five rounds? Is he going to be able to well, handle that with Yon, the weight cut in? And yeah, I mean, so. But regardless, man, doing his thing, it just I feel bad for him. I feel like I just feel sorry for him seeing him cut weight mm-hmm. during that fight week. But well, I think there's a, him, man. there's a clear fight to make now: Aldo versus Sandhagen. You got to make that fight. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's the fight. I agree. I mean, I know he wants to face Dillashaw, but I think Dillashaw is content to just wait for his title shot. I mean, he earned it against Sandhagen. Why take another fight now? Yeah. Well, I, I actually like Sandhagen probably in that fight. Me too. I like Sandhagen. Couldn't I tell you why. Sandhagen's... <laughs> but yeah. Me too. I just the ranginess. I think mm-hmm. the knees coming weird. I feel like it would be a knee. Like I, a I almost knee. picture, yeah, I almost picture like a, a Frankie Edgar, like he's going to catch him. He did it to moment. Dillashaw. He, caught, he grabbed Dillashaw's head and landed a flying knee on him. It just didn't take Dillashaw out. Yeah, I think I think he would catch Aldo. I mean, great. It's going to be fantastic the way Aldo is going to punch the body. I think you'll need to low kick against uh, Mr. Sanhagen. So we'll see. But good stuff, man. It, I mean, is Aldo like uh, Aldo to me is like got to be one of the most best Brazilian fighters we've ever seen. Yeah, him and Anderson Silva. And Chris yeah. Cyborg and Nunes, I guess. Like Bel- gonna... Belfort's up there too. I yeah. mean, but he's up there as one of the best Brazilians to do MMA. Man. I mean, in terms of the lighter weights, he's, he's the guy. Like, I mean, there's nobody else really. I mean, Hennan Barrao for a time was a top pound for pound guy and just fell right off. Aldo mm-hmm. just keeps at it. He's, he's still just as good. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Vicente Luque defeats Michael Chiesa with his patented Darce choke. Uh, Chiesa made a little mistake and you just can't make little mistakes against Vicente Luque. Yeah. Surprised on that. I thought it would have been, a little bit more on the feet and played out, but man, they went right for it. We, I, I get, we kind of anticipated Kiesa going for the takedown, but to leave his neck like that, you don't expect it. 
You don't yeah, expect it, a again, it's just a fraction of a second mistake, right? Like, and and Luke, yeah. if he can find that choke, he'll use it. Like, how many how many wins does he have by Darce choke at this point in time? So he we got his last two. So the Woodley and Kiesa Darce choke, Nico Price Darce choke. Those were Darce chokes on those ones. Yep, Alvaro uh, Alvaro Herrera, and that's also in the UFC Darce choke, Anaconda choke against Hyder Hassan. Uh, Anaconda choke prior to joining the UFC. Like he's, that's just what that's his bread and butter. Like he's chokes from the front headlock, man. He's probably good. And the key to beating him is what Kiesa was doing. Kiesa had a had a good opportunity there. Like Kiesa had a had a chance to finish that fight. He had his neck right. Like he, yeah. But hey, man. Again, you just like you cannot make a split second mistake against Luke. I still think Kiesa's up there in this in this division. Like I, I me th- too. I still think that this isn't a bad look for him, but. Poor Leon Edwards, because if I was going to make a title shot fight now after Covington and, like, let's say Usman hypothetically retains against Covington, like, I, I'm putting Luke in there. Are you not? Really? No, I don't know. Over I Leon Edwards? Think it, I'm, I'm putting Edwards. I'm putting Edwards. And I, I think Vicente looked good, but is Kiesa a guy to really get a win that puts you in that position? I, well, you know? who's Edwards beaten to get into that position? Nate Diaz? Yeah, but he's I mean, he's beaten, he's beaten Luke. I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't yeah. say anything. He's, he beat Luke, but that was four years ago. Yeah, I still think you got. I think after all of the bads and the downs for Leon Edwards, I think you just favorably give him the just because of the the, the, the couple years of canceled fights for him. He, he's deserving. Well, of I've it. got a solution for you, Joe. Would you like to hear it? Of course. Leon Edwards versus Gilbert Burns is my solution. Because if he okay. beats Gilbert Burns, you cannot deny him a title shot. But if he loses to Gilbert yeah. Burns, now you have your guy in Luke. Yeah. No, I I like that. I think that's a great fight. And I spoke to Luke, and he said he said he's not going to fight Burns. Like, they're, like Burns is in his corner. He says like Burns is like his brother. He says like he's, he yeah. he doesn't want to fight Gilbert Burns. Yeah. Well, I don't. I can't really see Burns being a champion. You know, I don't think he he'll be able to beat Kamaru. So I, mean, I he, think he had that first round against Kamaru where he was spectacular. It's good, but I just think Kamaru's different level, and Luke got to get his chance. I mean, Gilbert had his chance. Let Luke go in there and try at least. Yeah. yeah, and they've trained together in the past as well. Um, both of them at Sanford MMA and Blackzillians. They've been training. I mean, they were on the Blackzillians show, the the Ultimate Fighter Blackzillians versus ATT. Luke and Usman were teammates on that, so they've been training together for a long, long time. Yeah, and you gotta you gotta give it up to Luke. I mean, not only does he try to win, he won one of the most exciting fighters in the division. He's always trying to look to finish you. He's entertaining, probably has one of the most fight-of-the-night bonuses probably in the division, I would assume, because he seems to be always out there. And I think, what, was it one weird loss was to Mike Perry, was it? Who? Uh, Vicente. He lost to, to Wonder Boy. Wasn't it Mike and Perry, he lo- too? And he lo- no, he beat Mike Perry. Split decision okay. over Mike Perry. That was the big nose, the nose break, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm in for it. I like him. Tisha Torres, the pretty dominant win over Angela Hill. I mean, I, Angela Hill's gotten a lot better, like, since the Ultimate Fighter days, but you have to admit that Torres has too. Like, Torres was already really good when she was on the Ultimate Fighter, and I think that she's improved a lot. And the good thing about how she's improved is she lost four in a row, and she lost four in a row to Andraj, Yanjacek, Zhang Li, Marina Rodriguez, like, four of yeah. the absolute best in the strawweight division. But she's bounced back with three in a row. Uh, Brianna Van Buren, I think she was, I think she might have been an underdog in that fight because Van Buren had, like, big upside. Uh, Sam Hughes, uh, short-notice opponent, beats uh, Sam Hughes, and then uh, this unanimous decision over Angela Hill. So she's right back in the mix. She wants a top-five opponent, and I, I wouldn't deny her. 
Yeah, and and you would have thought, you know, she was going to really use her wrestling against Angela Hill, but Ange had to wrestle herself. Angela was the one kind of shooting, trying to press her against the cage, and we saw Tisha Torres really do well with her striking. Those sidekick to the legs was able to kind of mess up Angela a little bit, forcing her to shoot. But you know, big shout out to Torres is because she uh, actually one of my friends was is her striking coach. Justin Houghton is in is uh, in her corner, and he actually fought one of my friends uh, and old business partners troy sheridan so i know justin glory fighter too so he's doing some good work with that camp over there she looked great oh i know justin's that really unorthodox fighter that uh who did he fight recently he fought like a big fight uh yeah, yeah i'm trying to remember who he fought recently glory yeah it was i was one of the i don't know who it was it was a while ago i know he fought uh i'm trying to remember what it, his fight was he looked he looked really good and he's very unorthodox i know he um, lost to by body kick to elvis gashi it was a bad body kick he took I don't know if he fought um, after maybe that. Maybe it was Vince McGinnis. Maybe I, I don't remember who it was. Vince was a good fight. fight. Yeah, maybe they that's were the one. Teammates. Yeah. Either that, or I'm thinking someone different. Because I'm th- I think I'm thinking of somebody who was bald. No, but J Ho. I remember J Ho. Justin J Ho. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Justin I J-Ho. have seen him. Or was yeah, Gashi for the title? Uh, no. 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 Okay. I just I know I've seen him fight. Uh, but either way, I think one problem that Angela Hill has is she's so used to being faster than 95% of the opponents that she faces that when she faces someone who's faster, she just doesn't know what to do. And I think Torres was just clearly the faster fighter in that fight. Yeah, no, I agree. I just think, Ange, you saw her improvement, but it just wasn't enough. Torres was just a little bit ahead of her, landing the more significant. I mean, Tisha looked good. I think the way she's able to now strike and being known for her grappling a little bit, I think she's got some good stuff. I mean... I think she was a striker first, right? Before being known for her grappling. Who, Torres? Wrestling. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. She's always been kind of like had that kickboxing, point fighting type style where she's just faster than people. She lands good kicks. She lands, she gets in and out. Yeah. Um, and she's improved her grappling a lot over the years, for sure. Yeah. Well, good stuff on her. Like, I, I agree with you. They'll keep pressing her forward. Uh, Song Yudong defeats Casey Kenny. This was a good fight. Uh, but I think Song Yudong was just a, a step ahead of Kenny in this fight. And uh, I, th- I thought he looked really good. I mean, he's 23. He's just going to keep getting better. He's another guy that I think you, you just keep giving him tough opponents and see how far he can get. Yeah, and did I hear – I mean, I, sometimes it's hard for me to hear. I think he's only 22 or 23. 23. 23. It's crazy. Insane. Yeah. I mean, looked good. Casey Kennedy's one of those guys that's just tough to fight anyone because he's always in your face. You know, he's, he did well. But Song Yudong, I like it. Good, young, good-looking, good-striking goes for finishes, fights hard. I think he'll be fun. Uh, a bit of controversy in the Rafael Fiziev defeating Bobby Green fight where one judge gave Bobby or gave Fiziev the third round when he was like outstruck 2 to 1 and clearly yeah. took more damage. Yeah. Now it's a uh, luckily Fiziev won 2 to 1 and I think most people agree but to, like I said in the, our last week's show Bobby Green can fight the best on the feet. He's got one of the best IQs, the way he moves his head, the way he counters. And Fizev is, uh, is, I'm saying it right, Fizev? Yeah, Fizev. Yeah, I think I think it's, it's Fiziev. Fiziev. Or, I think it's Fiziev. Fiziev. Yeah. Well, he's the striking coach at Tiger Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. In uh, yeah, he's so, a beast. I mean, <laughs> phenomenal. Like, yeah. I mean, even in his corner, I mean, he had um, Henry Hooft was there. Henry Hooft, and the one beside him is the one of the all-time best French kickboxers. Her name is Anissa Maxson. Oh yeah, yeah, she was a glory yeah, Her head coach and her boyfriend or husband mm-hmm. is was in his corner as well because they know they all train together at uh, Tiger Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. So very well experienced 
uh, striker. And I mean, that Mexican, those two guys. Mexican is the one corner. that beat Van Soost, right? For the championship. Yeah, and then Van Soost ended then up beating won. her again at yeah. the end. And then now, and this is with one FC. Yeah. But uh, yeah, fantastic corner. And you can see why he's the coach. Very technical, you know, mixed it up. I think the difference in this fight, though, and with the judges were just the way Fizev kicked the legs. You know, kicking a little bit more probably got him the advantage. But fun fight. Bobby Green kind of probably hit him more with punches in the face. But overall, that's, uh, you know, agreed that it was the fight of the night. Yeah, Bobby Green just did not back down. I mean, he got rocked in that second round, too. And it's just like he just kept moving forward. Didn't yeah. care. Shaking his head. No. Nope. Yeah, shaking his head. Nope. No. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, I like Bobby Green. He'll fight anyone, anywhere, anytime. Fun to watch. But, uh, Fizet, man, good. Like the style. So, yeah. what's uh, what do you see next? Logical for him? Well, I think he should face somebody ranked now. Like, I think that he, to, from what I understand, is one of the most ducked guys in the UFC. Like, people don't want to fight this guy. Do you see him on the yeah. scales? Like, do you see how? I mean, you saw him not on the scales. Like, the guy's yeah. jacked. Yeah, Dick. What do you think? Uh, he what, puts back on twenty pounds probably easily. Probably. I bet. I bet any, even on even on weigh-in day, he looked. He looks huge on the scale. Like, he looks like a fridge, that guy. Yeah. Do He's we, all do upper we know, body, too. Do we know his wrestling and grappling abilities? Um, I imagine it's getting better. He Well, they said during the commentary that Fazeev basically just trains wrestling because he thinks that he thinks that it's a wrestling-based sport. He, that's the way he approaches it now. Okay. He knows how good he is at striking, so, like, basically he's just training wrestling all the time to make sure that he's able to stay on the feet because, obviously, yeah. on the feet, he's got an advantage against pretty much everybody in the division. Yeah, a lot of times once you're a specialist in one, you're kind of like, eh, I know how to fight. I know what how I'm going to fight. So work really on the downside because anyone who fights him is going to try to shoot on him, take him down. I mean, that's kind of the plan. And that's one of the reasons early on in my career I was like, I don't want to go to MMA because I know every single fight I'm going to have a whole career based on takedown defense. I'm like, that's boring to me. Mm-hmm. Don't strike Joe, takedown defense. Joe, yeah. don't don't hit with too much power. Take down defense. So I was like, it's a little. That's one of the reasons early on I thought it would be boring to continually train takedown defense. Well, you were right about that, so, and you ended up becoming was, a champion yeah. of glory. That was the right call. <laughs> there you go. More fun there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like Fizev. I'm, I'll be excited to uh, continue to support and watch him. Uh, Vince Morales defeats Draco Rodriguez. Pretty close fight, uh, I thought. Uh, but I felt, thought Morales just was a bit of a, a step ahead. Uh, Alonzo Menafield defeats Ed Herman by decision. Uh, the odds on Menafield by decision were like plus 500 because usually this guy runs out of steam, but he did not in this fight. And uh, I thought he took a really smart approach in the last round. Uh, he probably could have finished Herman. Herman's leg was jacked. But at the same time, like he he saw that whenever he was he was trying to sell out and get the finish, Ed Herman was throwing back, right? Like So yeah. you, you already have two rounds in hand. Take it easy. Make sure you win the round, and you know, get the get the win. Yeah, I think uh, Alonzo Menafield looked good, different. But I think Herman is just a guy now where he just he's what's the word? Like he's he's taking too many shots to kind of give him what he does. Like he's getting celebrated for eating a lot of shots a lot of time and coming back. So I think in this position, I don't think it did much for Menafield. I think he was expected to get a finish. I think, you know, he was relying too much on one types of strike. But, I mean, looked good. A lot of positive. But I think this just shows for me that there's so much more potential for men in field. And I think we'll see it from him each time he fights. Jessica Penne scores a first-round submission over Karolina Kovalkiewicz. My TSN Edge dart of the week. Jessica Penne by submission. Cash is plus 650. I hope yeah. you were on it, Joe. 
No, I didn't. I missed that one. Okay. I didn't go on that one. I watched it, but I mean, I didn't get on. I didn't jump on betting on it. Okay. It was a little bit. I was a little nervous on it because Carolina. I mean, she's just so good and rangy. And I mean, we haven't seen Penny in a bit, so. Yeah, I didn't trust you on she that. She made one. a bad mistake in that fight, though. Penny was on the ground, tried to get her to come down, and she why? ended up going I, down. Why? Like, why? I don't understand why people feel the need to have to do that. Like, Penny's okay understand. on the feet, but I mean, like, Carolina has a clear path to victory against everybody she faces. It's just keep it on the feet. Keep it on the feet. Like, it's an ego thing. It must be. I don't know. Like, I, I, I will never understand that. She is hating that decision today. Mm-hmm. Oh, she for sure. Is she was she beside herself after the fight. Like, she walked into it. Mm-hmm. It's not like she tried to smash her way into it. She basically sat her way into the guard. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, and Penny is like, it was like a cat toying with a mouse on the ground. Yeah. Like, she just... Kick her legs. Try to smash down. Throw some hammer fists in the way down. Try to elbow. No, you just kind of walk and let her do her thing. Like, you, you like, placed yourself in. Yeah. Why? I don't understand that decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think she does either. I'm sure she'll watch no, it back and be pretty the, frustrated. Just in the moment. I mean, just in the moment, I guess. Menel Kopp finally fills, uh, fulfills his potential big flying knee over uh, win over Oday Osborne. Uh, he missed weight for this one, so uh, unfortunately didn't get a bonus, but uh, probably would have burned one otherwise. That was, a, that was a pretty devastating knockout. Yeah, I, I just thought it was funny. Um, how he was, yeah, Dana, give me the bonus. And then DC's yeah. like, sorry, man, you missed the weight, man. I don't think you know it, but you can't get it. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's I, like don't I don't know. care. Sorry. Yeah. He kind of ruined his mojo after the fight. You ruined his mood. Uh, Cormier trains with him. So, and Cormier is always so very hard on the people he trains on, especially if they miss weight. He's, uh, he, he kept mentioning it in the broadcast because you could tell that he was not happy that a guy that's associated with his gym would miss weight. Yeah, no, I, I see that. But I actually thought if I had to do my, my dark horse pick that it would have been oday osborne to kind of do some work man yeah, i, think I had i had really him well. for tsn edge didn't didn't go well yeah i thought he would have uh i thought he would have gotten it done the way he kicks the man he manages distance but i do agree with the referee stoppage he looked like he stiffened up there when he got hit for a little bit but uh i still think oday's gonna do some good stuff i just think it wasn't his night and he got you know manel cop who's finally getting comfortable in the ufc uh, Miles Jones defeats Anderson Dos Santos, devastating knockout in the third round. I just don't understand why his corner would let him continue. And I feel the same way about Ed Herman. Like, Ed Herman's leg was totally jacked. The doctors came and looked at it and said that it was okay for him to continue. Same with Anderson Dos Santos. They looked at his leg. I know these fighters want to fight. Like, no, no, no fighter, like, very few uh, times will we see, even Victoria Leonardo, Leonardo had a broken arm and wanted to continue. Yeah, yeah. It was like, crazy. if you're a coach... Yeah. You know your fighter's going to lose this fight. Like, Anderson Dos Santos is down two rounds to Johns, entering the third round with a with a jacked-up leg. If you're his corner, you have to stop that fight. Like, why allow him to, to, to get knocked out viciously like that when you know his leg is jacked and he's not going to win the fight? Like, yeah. his path to victory, was his, his chance of winning that fight was so slim. And uh, I just hated seeing him get knocked out like that. I, I, I thought it was uh, a real indictment of his corner. I know every fighter... I, I had fighters respond to me when I said, like, I don't know how a corner lets a guy go out like that. And they're like, well, we're fighters. It's like, yeah, that's the problem. The problem is, as a fighter, you don't care about what's going on with you. You want to go out there and win, and you think you're going to win, and that's fine. But the corner needs to protect you. Like, in that situation in particular, a corner needs to protect their guy. I, I'm sorry. I know that a lot of fighters, yourself included, are probably going to say, well, you got to go out on your shield and all that stuff. But that was just unnecessary. Like, the guy's got a concussion for sure. He was knocked out cold. 
Like, you, you can't let your guy go, go into a fight like that where you, like, he could barely walk. And the same with Ed Herman. Like, Ed Herman's lucky he didn't get smoked by Alonzo Menafield in that round. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough decision because it's the leg that's injured. You know, I mean, if it's, like, like the head and you're rocked, it's a little thing. But, I mean, sometimes, like, if the leg is sore, like, you continue, you know, like, the because you know that, it's not the head, at least. You know, you, you've risked the body well, enough Joe, to know. How often I, have you seen a corner stop somebody because they got hit in the head? It's like never happened. Yeah, but I mean, that is more to me understanding than stopping it for like the leg being really damaged, you know, or the arm being broken. Like, I'm okay with her continuing with a broken arm more than her continuing where she's like two. She got smashed for two rounds, you know, where she not. Oh, doing you mean nothing. like just a damage based stopping? Yeah, like, yeah based yeah. on like head damage versus. I don't really. In a fight, I don't really look at body damage. Like, break everything. You're still going to go. Well, even know? with Leonardo, though, like, I was more okay with her corner. Because you can still walk. Like, if you have a broken arm, you can still throw three of your, or, like, yeah. six of your, whatever, five of your six weapons. You can yeah. throw your elbows. If you just you want to throw... swing one hand, yeah. go for it, you know? Right. But with a leg, like, if you can barely walk, like, you're just asking for trouble. Like, you're going yeah. to get, get chopped down no, I, and I finished. Agree. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree with you. I just have to sit back and... It was too damaged. That was the thing, you know. If like if he was able to move a little bit better, I get it. But when it's that compromised, you know, and you know Miles Johns can hit like a freaking truck, you know, then you're kind of you're kind of hesitant. But yeah, yeah, that was one where I actually felt really bad for the guy. Like I felt like his corner just did not have his best interest at heart because like there was just no reason to send him out for that third round. Yeah, and the, and the amount of torque and power john's threw in that shot too Woo. Oh yeah it's unbelievable nasty i mean nasty but yeah tough I, I i hear you it's 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 always a tough call and even me having you know having to coach and seeing guys do it it's forever going to be a tough decision it's yeah. and the, it's but the fighter will always want to go out in that situation the fighter will always want to come go out and that's why the corner needs to like just say listen we're gonna let you fight another day here like you, 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 this isn't worth sending you out for He's, yeah. he, he leaves with the same amount of money and the same result as he would have left with if he would have stopped the fight. Yeah. But, now, yeah. but now he's got head trauma, like why? Like brain trauma. It's just like, to me, it just doesn't make sense. It's almost like, should the UFC take more of the boxing approach? You see in boxing right away, when guys are getting hit a little bit too much, they stop and step in a lot more. Like, maybe that's the case. Like, don't get in a position where you're getting hit so much, like... Even sometimes, like even with Derek Lewis, like when he gets hit, he shells up a little bit, yeah. kind of hides his head. And those like pounding shots, you're in such a compromised position. You don't want to fight at that point. And so I'm okay with stopping those types of things. You're not but trying that to get said, out of it. They know that Derek Lewis has done that before and has come back. You see, like he blocks as much as he can and then he just swings wildly. And he was doing it in that fight too. Yeah. But when you're like duck your head down and you can see like certain body language, it's like you're out. You know? I don't know. It's a tough one. I don't think we'll. Even even me with all this experience and watching it, there's so many times where I'm watching, I'm like, stop it, stop it, stop it. And then they end up winning sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, maybe good they didn't stop it, you know? And I don't want to be that person. But the older I get, Aaron, the more I agree with. Let's start stopping them a little earlier, you know? Let's yeah. start stopping them. But I think, them. again, I, and I just think it's the corner needs to be responsible in, in certain uh, cases. And I understand the fighter's going to be upset with them. Like, you, it's got hard to look your fighter in the eye the next day if you stop their fight because you've taken money away from them. And, and, and that's another issue with MMA as a whole is the, like, win system that you need to get the win bonus, right? Like, there's so much riding. You're basically doubling your salary if you win the fight. There's so much riding on each fight that, like, stopping it is, um, you know, it's a major issue. 
Well, maybe then it's the referee's job to do it a lot more then. You know, don't put the decision on the coach of the fighters because you know the coach is invested just as much as the fighter, yeah, right? The referee can't stop a fight because a guy's leg's jacked. Like, they can get the doctor to look at it, and then it's at the discretion of the doctor. And that's what happened. The doctor looked yeah. at it and, and allowed him okay. to keep going. Well, maybe we need non-UFC doctors to come in we do. that aren't associated. They're commission doctors. To... Yeah, but, they, yeah, I, I get yeah, it's it. Texas still. commission doctors, so I don't know what that means. But at the same Commi- time, it's But still a commission doctor is almost a doctor who's comfortable with extreme violence almost, you know? Well, if you go to any doctor, if you go to your family doctor and you go with like a a one cut stitch, they're gonna say, "What are you doing? No, don't yeah, don't go out and fight again." Right. But the fight doctor is like, "Oh, it's only one. It's only a yeah, one inch cut. You're stitch. fine. The blood's yeah. not visibly in your eye. You're okay." But ninety nine percent of doctors say, "You crazy? Why yeah. would you go get hit in the face again with a cut on it?" You know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough. It's tough. So some fight announcements uh, this past week. Did we talk about Sean Strickland versus Rockhold? I think we did. We talked about, you know, Dana White had mentioned that it was close to being final. Uh, and that got it's, finalized. It's got finalized. Yeah. It's going to be oh, at uh, nice. the, the uh, November pay-per-view. I'm not sure if that's going to be at NSG or not, but uh, that's been finalized for, uh, for like that, that particular event. I think that's a great fight for Luke Rockhold to take as a comeback fight. It's a good litmus test for him to see where he's at. Yeah, me too. And Strickland is... Uh... A good dance partner because I think they've already started beefing early. Strickland was pretty vocal on his social media that uh, you know Rockhold didn't want to fight him. I see you at the gym. Yeah, I'll see you. I'll come after you. Yeah, Yeah. I don't care, man. I'll slap you when I see you at the gym. I don't care. I don't need a fight. I was like, okay, I like it. But the the beef started, and I think Strickland will bring a, a fun fight. And I think with Luke, with Luke being out a little bit, I think he'll I think he'll play a little bit with Strickland, and I think we'll get some uh, good behind the scenes uh, lead up. Well, if Luke Rockhold is the Luke Rockhold of old, he he should beat Sean Strickland. But I just don't think that sure. that's yeah. Luke Rockhold is the same Luke Rockhold. But we'll see. That's a, that's yeah. a tough one to call. I'm eager to see yeah. what the line is for that one. I think Strickland will probably be like a minus two hundred favorite. Because I think with Luke, it's I think he's scared of power. You know, because he's been knocked out, he's been hit. But right. I don't think he's intimidated by Strickland's power. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be a volume. He'll pressure you. But I think the right fight for Luke is someone who's not a big power punch. Because I think he needs to get comfortable, right. you know, one more before he gets in with those big heavy punchers. But you got to think if he comes back sharp and his striking's looking great, like. Uh, I think it, I think it's the, the, the uh, takedown, the grappling where he'll have his best success. I think he can wrap, he can wrap Strickland up on the ground. But I'm even saying, like, eventually the build-up to, like, an Izzy fight, if he if he's able to, you know, stick to his old self that we've seen, and, and if he's focused, I think he can do a good run. Uh, what else we got? Paulo Costa against Marvin Vittori is announced. That's, uh, that's, fight, that's yeah. a good fight against two very angry men. Let's see how that <laughs> one goes. Two angry men. <laughs> uh, Dos Anjos versus Islam Makhachev. I think, did we discuss that one? That's, I think that's happening on Fight Island. That's a good one. Which one was that, sorry? Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Islam okay, Makhachev. Yeah. I think we briefly mentioned it last show. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, eager to see that one. What else do we got? Joanne Calderwood against Alexa Grosso. Good fight in the flyweight division. Uh, Garbrandt versus Kai Car France is uh, official nice. for December. One. Did we talk about how about how uh, that's been announced for December? And I don't want to talk about it because it's like I don't want oh, to yeah, think about so December. Far. Yeah, so far. Yeah, I just don't want to think about December in Canada. I know during the midsummer. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I'm going to take a lot of this week off because there's no UFC event, but we do have uh, the PFL, some, some good fights in the PFL uh, this week. Uh, Clay Collard against Roush Manfio, I'm, I'm excited about. That's a good one. Uh, Olivier Aubin-Mercier against Daryl Horcher. He got a new opponent in Daryl Horcher. That's, uh, that's a fun one. I'm happy to see OAM back in action again. 
getting a second fight in this year. Um, we got Magomed Magomed Karamov against uh, Sabadou C. I thought Magomed yeah, Karamov was in like the semifinals of the. Uh... Yeah, I think that's an error. I think it's Magomed Magomedov that's fighting uh, Sabadou C. That's an error on the uh, best Sadabusai. fight odds. Sadabusai. Sadabusai. Yeah, that's how we. That's how they said it when I met him years ago. But who knows? It could have. They always change pronunciation sometimes. I could have learned it the wrong way, and then now they're saying it well, right. Well, there was a Raptor, a guy on the Toronto Raptors named Pop C, who spelt his last name the same way. So that's, that's why. why I say it that way. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, and, but yeah. Uh, Bubba Jenkins, Chris Wade's a great fight. Uh, Movlid Kaibulayev against Brendan Lochner in this week. That's a good one, too, in the uh, featherweight division. That's, I think whoever wins that fight is going to end up winning the tournament. They, uh, the PFL loves using their guys, you know, which is nice. Like that, you kind of fight frequently, you know. It seems like my friends who signed with the PFL, I get to see them watch a lot, like fight a lot. We saw, you know, Rory McDonald fight a lot. It's <laughs> fighting in two like weeks. When he was in the UFC, we barely saw him or in Bellator. We saw him like once a year, you know. Now the PFL almost forces him to fight, which is nice. We, um, who else? Have, Bubba Jenkins has fought a lot. Now we've seen him. Like good mm-hmm. names. Yeah. Well, Joe, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, at the end of this show, we're going to have uh, interviews with Rory McDonald, Ray Cooper III, and uh, mm-hmm. former Bellator matchmaker Rich, Rich Chow. So uh, oh, nice. stick, stick around for that after we're done talking. But uh, I asked Rory that very question. I was like, what's it like to, to fight almost like in a season mentality where you know you're going to be face, fighting a certain amount of times each year, you know, even up to four times if you make it to the finals? Uh, and just ask him that, that very question. So stand by for that answer. Uh, but yeah. that's what we've got uh, coming up. I know that there's a Bellator card as well. There's no odds for it just yet, but uh, it's John Salter fighting for the title against Gegard Mousasi. Ooh, yeah, so down to watch Mousasi Salter's a good fight. fighter. I've always liked Salter. What's, uh, he was more of a grappler, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, for, John Salter's a very sneaky fighter. He's got lots of good tools. Um, I'm trying to remember if that's this weekend or next week. I think it's this, week, this weekend. Yeah, August the 13th, Bellator 264. Gegard Mousasi, John Salter, championship bout. And uh, Andre Koreshkov back, uh, taking on Sabah Homasi. That's a good one, too. As long as there's some oh, and, fights. And Ralfion Stotz against Magomed Magomedov is a good one, too. There's a lot of Magomedovs. Lots of Magomedovs. So was I Lots wrong about that? Was I wrong about that PFL card? Was it, was it Magomed, a different Magomed Karamov? Because I know Magomed Karamov's in the, uh, the final. So who's... I'm going to look this up now. Now I'm getting annoyed. It's getting, yeah, you're bothered now. Yeah. Magomed, Magomed Karamov against uh, Sadabu C. I thought Magomed Karamov was fighting on next weekend's card. I'm getting confused now. So let me There's look up PFL Magomedov, Magomed Karamov, Magomed Sharapov. The fact that you even know there's a difference between those three, I think I'm more impressed. Well, yeah, but I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to seem like a casual here, Joe. No, I, when so it comes to outside UFC, I'm... You know, I know more than most, but I can't tell you the difference between those Dagestanis. <laughs> well, so let's see, PFL 7. Let's see, PFL 7. Let's see here. Maybe they just have it on the wrong card. Who was Gilson Tebow supposed to fight? Gilson Tebow was facing Curtis Millinder this weekend. Okay. Let me see, Joao Zeferino. Maybe they changed the uh, the tournament bracket or something. Maybe I'm maybe I'm missing something here. I maybe I'm 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 missing out on my my uh, my news. Oh, so that bout got canceled. Okay, so that's what happened. So Zeferino withdrew and and Sabadu or Sadabu is replacing him. 
So, okay. yeah, there just happened to be two lines up on fights with Mago Mike Karamov. I thought Serubu Sai was supposed to fight uh, Tibau. That's what so I that's probably what happened. So I guess Zeferino pulled out. Sai probably had the, the next most points in the tournament, so he got bumped up to the semifinals. Okay, yeah, because I was pretty sure he was supposed to fight uh, Tibau when we talked about it last. Yeah, he's a big underdog in that fight, and I think rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, great striker, but I mean, you're dealing with a mega moth, you're in trouble. <laughs> if you're a striker and you're fighting someone whose last name ends with off, mega moth, well, I used to, I used to, you're ta- an underdog. I used to tabulate how many people with the the name with Magomed in their name, uh, what their UFC record was, and it was like this. That yeah. it was like an eighty percent win oh, percentage sure. or something like that. Oh yeah, if I don't even have to look at the opponent. Hey Joey, we're gonna make your MMA debut against uh, Mega Megoff. Nope. Oh no, no, thank <laughs> nope. you. Yeah. I'm good. But Joe, he's he's making his debut. Nope, I'm good. Thank you. Next. Well, there are a lot opponent. of striking, like good strikers with the last name Nurmago Madoff, and everybody just thinks they're grapplers because of the last name. Yeah. Eh, still, I'm not taking the risk. No right. risk. I'm with There's you. There's an OV. I'm no risking it. Uh, I, w- I, would, I would do the same. But then again, if you offered me a UFC fight against anybody, I, my answer You'd would be no. You'd probably say no. Yeah. No. Yeah, well, didn't we try that. at one point? We were trying with a little Ariel Hawani beef or something or um, other got, journalists. He's got like 50 beef. pounds on me, maybe 60 pounds on me. So that All would, right. Would you, got, you got Bazooka Joe, bazookatraining.com. You got, we, can get, we can get you set up. We can get you training, get some weight on you. I got a weight room here. We're good. We've also got Wimp to Warrior, which uh, Rich Chow is, is now the uh, VP of North America for, and he's going to join us on the TSN MMA show uh, coming up in just a little bit. So, Joe, I'll let you go. Uh, stay All tuned right. for some interviews. We've got interviews with, uh, like I mentioned, Rich Chow from Wimp to Warrior, the former matchmaker for Bellator. Uh, we've got Rory McDonald and Ray Cooper III. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week to uh, recap what's going on in the PFL preview, uh, as well as Bellator preview, uh, the next UFC card, headlined by Kelvin Gastelum, taking on Jared Cannonier. Appreciate your time, Joe. Awesome. I'm now joined by Rory McDonald, who will be facing Ray Cooper III in the semifinals of the PFL Welterweight Tournament. I'll get the annoying part out of the way first. You're coming off one of the most controversial decision losses, uh, I think probably in the history of mixed martial arts, against Gleason Tebow. How long does it take to get the bad taste of that out of your mouth, or does it still linger with you? No, I'm, I'm over it now. Focusing on Ray. I feel good going into this fight, and um, believe in the past, in the past. Nothing I can do about it now except move forward. What was your reaction at the time, you know, in the, the days after the, the fight, so to speak? I was frustrated. And I wanted to know if I could appeal it or look into what could be done to change that decision to, you know, me winning because that's, you know, that was the right call. You know, it was, you know, I was the rightful victor of that fight, clearly. So um, I was frustrated and was looking to get that overturned. But from what I saw and what I I learned is there is, Nothing I could do. Yeah, it seems like those appeals typically, unless you know, there's some sort of blank foul that gets ignored, it's typically very difficult to overturn a, deci- a judge's decision at the very least. Yeah, I needed I needed evidence of uh, fraud or some kind of foul play, but like physical evidence. Yeah, and of course that's hard to come by. Um, so, in terms of the in terms of the decision, have you gone back and watched that fight and and said to yourself, okay, well maybe when I was in there it felt like I was winning, but then you went back and watched it just to verify what you had believed. 
Yeah, I watched it, and it was even more of a robbery than what I thought when I was in there. It, uh, the more I, I I looked at it, it was just more clear than ever that it was a complete domination, three rounds to none. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. I think if you're in there, you probably don't really know exactly what it looks like. And then when you can look at it, at it from the outside, you can really verify what what you thought was the case. Sure, yeah. All right, well, let's move forward. Uh, you've got Ray Cooper III. Um, had you won that fight against Gleason Tebow, your opponent would have been Magomed, Magomed Karimov. Who would you think is the easier opponent of the two in terms of Ray Cooper III and, and Magomed Karimov, both former winners of this tournament? I think they're both equally dangerous. Just, they have different styles, so it's just it's just a matter of you know, a, di a different skill in different areas of mixed martial arts. But I think they're both very good. Yeah, Ray Cooper, obviously a, a very very good uh, striker, tough striker, and also an underrated wrestler. And then of course Magomed Karimov is uh, one of the better wrestlers in the PFL. Um, what's your preferred stylistic matchup? Do you, do you like the Ray Cooper matchup because uh, you prefer fights that are mostly on the feet? Uh, no. I mean, to be honest, I feel comfortable everywhere. I feel like these guys in every aspect of mixed martial arts. So it's just about, about attacking their weaknesses. How's this season been for you? You went from having a year of no competition because of the, uh, the pandemic to basically being in a season where you're just training and training and training. Uh, how have you enjoyed this process? Yeah, it's it's interesting for sure. I've never had to been, you know, this busy back to back, you know, small little breaks in between. Um, it's definitely, it's one of the harder uh, seasons of fighting I, I've done, but it's been great. I feel good and motivated and hungry, focused. Things are going great. Is that one of the appeals of being in the PFL is you know you're guaranteed a certain amount of fights every year? Yeah, I mean, if you keep winning, sure. But, I mean, if you lose, you know, you, you drop out a little early. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 nice to, you know, if, you, if you're successful, going forward. So that's a good uh, Before we started, you said you hadn't seen your family in about a month. Uh, your family's in Montreal. You're training in Florida. Uh, has that been a difficult thing? And, and how do you stay in touch with them on a daily basis? That's been the most difficult thing for me. This is the longest I've ever been away from my family. Yeah, I haven't seen my family in a month, so it's been very difficult. That's probably been the most difficult thing because I'm so used to spending so much time with them. And um, the fact that they've done quarantine the last two fights before this, it's been a lot of time this year away from my family. So that's that's been a very challenging thing, but I'm doing this for them. So being away from them, does, does that add any sort of fuel for you? Does that it's taking you out of your comfort zone? Does that motivate you anymore, or anything along those lines? Well, being away from my family, it's a big sacrifice. It makes me realize that I have to be at one hundred percent. So it's a bit of motivation. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't leave my family if I was half in and half out of this sport. Um, I'm going all the way. How involved is Coach Faraz uh, remotely from Montreal? Um, not too much. It's pretty difficult working with my coaches from back home, actually. 
I stay in touch with them once in a while and they kind of check up on how I'm doing. But uh, I'm in good hands here at Sanford with the coaches here. And have you thought about what the million dollars will mean to you if you're if you're able to win this tournament? Yeah, of course. Um, just uh, you know, invest it, save it, be smart with it. Boring stuff. I know that since you're part of the TriStar team, uh, the investments go a long way when Faraz is, is the uh, financial advisor. Yeah, yeah, he's he's done some he's done pretty well for himself. All right, Rory. Well, best of luck against Ray Cooper the third. It's always a pleasure catching up with you, and I hope to speak to you again soon. All right, thank you. Have a good day. He is Ray Cooper the third, and he is taking on Rory McDonald in the semifinals of the PFL Welterweight Championship Tournament. He is the reigning winner of the Welterweight uh, Tournament, and this is a big fight. Rory McDonald, newcomer to PFL. What do you think of Rory and his game? Um, there's nothing that I haven't seen before, so. I'm um, just ready for getting past this fight and move on to the finals. Are you hoping you're going to be facing Magomed Magomed uh, Karimov in the finals? He, I know that he won the first tournament and you were able to win the second. It would be interesting to see you guys collide once again. Um, Yeah, that's what I want. But right now I just focus on Rory right now. and uh, Yeah, hopefully. What did you think of Rory's last fight? Uh, one of the more controversial decisions you'll see in the sport. Yeah, um... That's what happens when we give it to the judges. Um, you cannot, you gotta finish the fight. And um, I mean, I thought he he edged out a decision, but I don't know. We have a problem with these judging. So uh, we, as fighters, we just can't let him go to the judges anymore. We gotta uh, finish the fight. I know the PFL uh, obviously rewards people for finishing the fight, so uh, they're doing their best to make sure that it doesn't go to the judges. But you thought that was something of a close fight? Um, yeah, it was. It was a close fight. Um. Jason gave him was putting the pressure on him, um, uh, but Roy was getting the takedowns and stuff. It was it was a close fight, could have went either way, but um, I thought Roy edged it out. But oh. you're a second generation fighter. Your father was a fighter as well. Uh, we saw AJ McKee recently just blow the doors off of uh, Pitbull in their fight. What do you think someone gains from being a second generation fighter that a lot of uh, fighters don't don't necessarily get? Um, I think that watching our um dad's grow, or watching our dad's fight, um, it just gave us that that uh, mental edge of um where, where we started from and um where our parent, where my, where our father started from, fighting in the, in the nineties and working their way up to to the lower ranks. And um, yeah, it was it was awesome for AJ McKee. Happy for him. It was an awesome, awesome performance. Um, but yeah, I think we just get more of one one edge than everybody else. And when you were younger, did you learn all of the different disciplines of MMA early because your dad could see that the sport was growing? Oh uh, no, we, my dad was he was just doing it as a hobby. It wasn't a full blown career like like how I'm doing it. Um, at the time, it wasn't it wasn't that. It wasn't as big as it is now, so um, I never did everything. I only did wrestling and and boxing. How happy are you with the PFL, and, and are you looking to expand your horizons uh, in the future with other promotions? Uh, right now, I'm I'm pretty happy. Um, I get to win a million dollars every single six months, so uh, we cannot beat that. And um, 
We'll see. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but right now I'm I'm good where I'm at. And what did you do with the million dollars? Did you did you know what you were going to spend it on? And the second million dollars for this year, <laughs> what what will you what do you have that earmarked for if you're able to win this tournament? Um, I'm not I'm not a flamboyant guy. I just I just gonna just to take care of my family, and um, that's pretty much it. I I, I don't I don't relish in nice things and all materialistic stuff. Um, yeah, I just I just I'm secured and financially stable so that's pretty much that's my only concern what is the nicest thing that you own <laughs> uh, I don't know I don't know <laughs> I don't own any, any nice things I don't buy nice stuff um, probably a, my my wife's suburban that I bought her there you go I was hoping you'd be able to name something because I've asked people before uh, what the nicest thing? I asked Conor McGregor that recently, and he said it was his Lamborghini boat that he had, that he just has uh, recently picked up. That's uh, that's not an answer you hear every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for him because he's a he's a freaking millionaire. So I mean, once you get to that level, then I guess you can do you can do whatever you like. Yeah, like I can understand people wanting a Lamborghini. But I don't think that there's a lot of people in the world that are like, I want to get a Lamborghini boat. Like, that you, that you can get to that level of thinking. Um, <laughs> no, I did not. And uh, even though um, everybody doesn't like Carmen Gary, but he's one. I mean, he's an entrepreneur, and he he made it. He made it from from nothing. And um, I still don't agree with the things he does now. But as a businessman, he's he's very well. He's very smart and. Uh, I admired him about. I admired that about him. All right, Ray. Well, it's a pleasure uh, catching up with you. Hope to speak with you again soon. It's the PFL semifinals. You'll be taking on Rory McDonald, and uh, we look forward to to watching you do what you do best. You're a very entertaining fighter, and we uh, we always love watching you perform. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Harry. I'll see you. Aloha. Please be joined now by Rich Chow, who's the VP of North America for Wimp to Warrior and the former matchmaker for Bellator MMA. How's your work-life balance doing? I guess that's my first question. Um, you know what? It's uh, Things are a lot more manageable when I'm not on the road as much. It's still a ton of work. I actually still do some consulting work uh, for Bellator. I still work with Scott on, on some projects, which I'm, I'm very uh, grateful and happy to have that opportunity to still be able to contribute at Bellator. Um, but my primary focus is uh, growing Wimp to Warrior here in North America. Uh, and between the two, um, I'm staying very busy. I'm uh, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm learning a lot. And um, it's just a lot easier for, for me to quarterback everything here at home. Um, you know, it was it was it was uh, difficult to manage the to be. Uh, just at home a lot more and, and uh, a larger workload, but it's it's just easier to quarterback it from home if that if that makes sense at all, Aaron. Oh, for sure. How, well, how old are your kids? Maybe we can relate to each other. Yeah, I, so I got I got two little ones. My son will be turning seven in a couple of weeks, and my daughter turned four about a month ago. So seven and four, they're lots of fun, lots of energy, and uh, definitely uh, they're, it's it's not boring here at my house. That's for sure. Well, we're in the same boat. I've got a 10, a 5, and a, and a 2-year-old. And I know that when I travel to cover MMA, oh. and I wasn't traveling as much as you were, uh, you know, you have to put out the fires at home while you're putting out the fires uh, on the road. So three, 
You got three. I got three. Wow. You're a brave man. <laughs> well, uh, we got to do what we got to do, of course, to, to grow our family and, and all that. But I, it, it is nice to hear that you get to work from home uh, for sure. So before we get into Whip to Warrior, I'd, I'd love to hear just what, what the day in a life of the matchmaker is like. I mean, you're probably having to build all these events. You, you probably have a, a whiteboard with everything that you've got lined up or hoping to have lined up. Like, just take me through an average weekday. Well, there is no average weekday, to be honest. Um, it's unpredictable. Uh, there's always something around every, you know, around the corner, especially these days in, in the COVID era. Um, you know, there's COVID protocol. There's just a good old fashioned injuries. Um, immigration issues due to all the COVID rules and regs, you know, when we're talking about international athletes. So these days it's, uh, you know, it's a whole nother a layer of unpredictability that's been added because of COVID to make the job, you know, more challenging. Um, uh, but, but for the most part, it's, it's, you know, you, you just wake up every day and, and you, you just hope that uh, your card is intact. And, and, and then, and then even when you're on site, you know, the guy's got to make weight. And so there's several just uh, hurdles you have to clear. Um, but, but every day brings a new challenge every week, bring, bring something new. And, you know, Aaron, you, you know, you're, you're probably covering all these changes that happen with all the cards for everybody. I think it's something that across the board, matchmakers, promoters all kind of share that, uh, um, that understanding of the unpredictability of this, of this sport. Um, but as I said earlier, it's, it's, there's never a dull moment. That's for sure. Well, I can actually relate to you, uh, even better from my previous job, which was booking guests for a daily talk show. I used to book guests for go. a talk show five days a week. And if someone couldn't make it, you have to book someone else. If the satellites went down, you know, there's just all of these different X factors that can happen. And it, it makes it hard to go to sleep at night if you don't have a, a fully booked show the next day. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the feeling um, when you're looking up at the board in the war room um, and you're always trying to look ahead and, and be a step ahead, anticipating certain things. Um, and just be ready to um, scramble and fill holes and make changes. You know, some people are obviously ir irreplaceable um, champions and, you know, certain certain names and, and, and other guys are, you know, because of their lack of experience. Or there's just various reasons, you know, fighters at, at different levels. Um, but, yeah, sometimes you just can't replace that, that marquee athlete, that champion. And um, you got to try your best to come up with something that the fans will, will, will appreciate. But uh, yes, always trying to stay a step ahead, always trying to be organized and dialed in, knowing who's ready, knowing, you know, I mean, nowadays you're seeing more and more, it's, it's very common for, for organizations to bring in um, a, a backup athlete to weigh in, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if there's just so many intangibles. Um, during your time as matchmaker, how many actual days off were you able to take where maybe you didn't look at your phone for an entire day? Was that even possible? Uh, it's, 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 it's really not possible. And there's probably a ton of uh, other people in the industry out there that, that have a, a hectic schedule that can relate. You know, you, you want to go out, enjoy, enjoy a holiday, enjoy a nice dinner off, and then disaster strikes and a fire flares up and, and you got to put it out and you, you you have to then apologize to whoever you're with and go out and handle that hopefully real quick and come back but yeah it's it's uh it's a grind man and it and, and it doesn't stop 
Um, so for those who are curious about the industry and, 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 and want to get in, I think first and foremost, that's something you have to be willing to accept and be prepared for and, and have the stomach for it and the, uh, the, uh, the mental fortitude for it. Cause they can frustrate the hell out of you, man. Well, what's the best bite you ever booked that never came together that didn't end up happening in your opinion? Um, wow. You know, there's, there've been several conversations over the years with the various organizations that I've, uh, been lucky to to uh be a part of um a couple that got away and that's a really good question um i'll tell you years ago we had a conversation um here's a fun one it was uh you know kurt angle was a brand ambassador for us for for uh, bellator at the time and and i think he was always flirting with the idea of getting in the cage and and at one point we were having a conversation with him um, fighting Hoist Gracie. And of course, Hoist was game. Um, uh, but, you know, Kurt, at the end of the day, just just tested out his body and just, just been through too much. I mean, he certainly has nothing left to prove, but it was just something that he always thought, you know, hey, it would be fun to get in there one time. And I think that matchup would be pretty intriguing. But anyways, that's that that's, that that that's an example of one of the conversations uh, conversations we've had over the years where um we've explored something that would have been really really fun to pull off but you know for a couple of reasons it just couldn't come together there's several more like that um maybe i'll save i'll uh, i'll save one for the next time we uh, catch up <laughs> all right well I'll, I'll accept your blackmail sir and definitely talk to you again after <laughs> this uh well well that answer was way cooler than, than one that i thought you'd be able to give so i mean uh, I'm, I'm happy for that one that's that's really cool wow kurt angle and hoist yeah that would have done well that would have done great on yeah. tv yeah that that that, that would have been really fun and um yeah that's 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 one of the ones there there are quite a few you know we, we, we've always uh, been lucky enough to have really great athletes um i've always I've learned a lot from Scott about his creative mind. And that's just one example of something that we looked into that we worked on. Um, you know, there's, there's several with Fedor and, you know, we announced, uh, his fight was announced today. So, you know, it's just when you have certain guys, uh, that have this, that are polarizing and, and have this aura, you know, the, you have several more options and some are way out the box and uh, outside of the box and crazy. And some are just, you know, um, a little more predictable and kind of fall in line with rankings and, and kind of what makes sense. But it's always fun to, to I think, outside the box and explore those those crazy fights that nobody ever really thought of. All right, a couple more quick Bellator questions before we jump into Wimp to Warriors, just because I, I feel like sure. uh, I, there's a lot that I want to ask you uh, about, especially AJ McKee's recent win. Did you think anybody would be able to beat Pitbull at his current stage in that sort of fashion? Um, yes, I thought if anyone was going to pull it off, that it would be AJ. I, I, I think the tournament came together. Um, the, the tournament came together just, I mean, it, it was a fantastic tournament. And I think the, the, the two best guys ended up in the finals. And, uh, you know, it was AJ's coming out party. Because, you know, Aaron, I'm, I'm sure there's several examples of this, but tournaments don't always play out the way that the fans would hope or expect. And that's the good and bad of a tournament, right? Um, whether it be injury or an upset or something, you know, the, the, the fans don't always get the fight, right, that they want. Um, and in this case, I, 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 think, I think they did. 
you know, the Bellator Grand Prix have largely played out in that fashion, I think. I think that they've, you know, you haven't had any major injuries. You've, you've gotten to see uh, a lot of the best fights. I think it was what Lima and, and Rory McDonald was one of them. I mean, you're, you're getting really great fights uh, at the end of these tournaments. So it's, it's been actually probably, uh, knock on wood, very lucky for Bellator to be able to get such a high quality of fights uh, for the finales of their tournaments. Yeah, the uh, tournament format has uh, worked out well. Well, for uh, Bellator, I think uh, I think the best guys have have fought each other at the end, and I think um, I think the fans have have been satisfied with with the outcome and, and and whoever walked away. And I think the 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 tournament champions, who in most cases have also been the world champions, I think they're they uh, deserve to be there. Like I said, the, the tournaments are un, unpredictable, and and um, sometimes they don't play out. Um, the way fans hope or, or expect, but but we we've been very lucky, and I, I think when when you find the right guys too, I, I've I've always believed that overall matchmaking, overall you just do yourself a big favor when you really bring in good talent, and um, it just makes everything a lot easier. And I think finding the right guys for these tournaments that Bellator's been able to put on has been has been has been very very um, important, and 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 I think that's what's paid off is just having a, a field of whether it be eight or sixteen of really legitimate fun athletes. And um, yeah, I can't wait for the next one. I know Scott says he's uh, working on something. So, you know, when the time's right, he'll share that with everyone. And um, I feel good at about being another, another great one that fans will, will enjoy. All right, I'm, I want you to grade my matchmaking here. I'm going to put on my my matchmaker hat for AJ McKee going forward. Because a lot of people think that the cupboard's bare for him right now. I, I disagree. I think that if Patricio wants to exact revenge and prove that that was a fluke. I think he puts up the 55-pound title. If he wants to take some time off, I think the next fight for AJ McKee is Patricky Pitbull. I think you have him face Patricky Pitbull, and then if he beats Patricky, then he gets to face Patricio for the title. And then I think you just buy some time there because there are a lot of great fighters coming up right now. I still think Aaron Pico is a fantastic prospect who's going to uh, get up there in the rankings. I, I love seeing Usman Nurmagomedov. I love seeing uh, Hassan Magomed-Sharapov. All of these guys that Khabib is coaching are, are all guys that could be potential champions one day. I feel like right now there's not a great fit for him at 145, but I feel like as these other fighters start to get their reps in, you're going to see a lot of up-and-coming contenders for AJ McKee if he's able to continue the streak. Yeah, there, there actually are some some fun matchups um, in, in in both weight divisions at featherweight and at lightweight. At featherweight, you know, there's JJ Wilson fighting Adam Borix in a few weeks. I believe that's on August 20th in Sioux Falls. That's a very important fight for the division, and I think uh, the winner of that could arguably be the number one contender, um, in my opinion. Um, and at 55, you just mentioned a couple. You know, not bad, Aaron. I got to give you your props. That's that's some really logical matchmaking there. I think yeah, the, the thing that was that was interesting was Pitbull being the the double champ and having fifty five and knowing, and this is something AJ's talked about um, for the last year or so is I'm going to beat him at forty five and then I'm going to go up and get fifty five and I'm going to be the champ champ. So, but then there's also his brother there. Well, you know, um, there's there, there there are some really fun ones. Usman is is. Uh, Really, man, sh- showcasing his skills, getting fans excited. He made a statement with that last one, beating a tough vet, and he's just continuing to grow. Yeah, I think though, there'll be no shortage of guys for 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 AJ to fight here in, in due time. And I think the ability to go um, and fight in two different weight classes just makes him that much more. You know, that versatility just just makes it that much more fun to watch him continue to to uh, do his thing. 
moving over to Wimp to Warrior, as somebody who's in Canada, I'd love to hear what kind of plans you guys have uh, for Wimp to Warrior in Canada, if, if you guys have anything on the horizon. Well, you know what? I, I, I can't wait for, for Canada to, to stabilize and open up again um, so we can get people back in the gyms. Um, we've had, uh, you know, our, 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 our history in Canada has been brief but exciting and um, successful. And, and there are a couple gyms and programs that I want to highlight um, Champions Creed in Calgary and, of course, TriStar over in Montreal. Um, they were putting really good numbers on the mats uh, with us um, before COVID and before everything, you know, changed and went on lockdown. So we're excited to get back into Canada and we're hoping, you know, when the time's right, we can continue to build off that momentum that we had um, prior to COVID. Uh, but Canada, I, I think, is is an amazing fight country. Um, you know, throughout throughout uh, history, we've seen great athletes come from Canada. Um, some of the biggest events, um, attendance-wise, you know, paper, you know, all the metrics. Canada, you guys love MMA, maybe even more than we do in North America. I'll say it. You guys love MMA, and and what we're trying to do globally is turn that fandom into participation you know, to, to get fans closer to the game that they love, to have them have a better understanding and more of an appreciation by creating this environment where it's really fun and safe and challenging to learn, to learn the basics. Well, I'm going to correct you because otherwise the Canadians are going to kill me for not doing so. We are in North America. I know, I know you meant to say the United States of America, but I'm just going to... Yes, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm just going to say this yes. so I don't get angry messages yeah, from my sorry. fellow uh, pa uh, patriarchs. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Sorry, guys, my bad. <laughs> The next round of uh, Labats is on me, my bad guys. <laughs> well, there you go. You've just redeemed yourself. Uh, good, sir. I, I love yeah. to hear that. Um, so what, personally and professionally, what's the most gratifying part of this job for you? Uh, Wimp to Warrior, it's, it's really seeing um, everyday people get on the mats, learn something powerful, um, and really just challenge themselves test themselves and i think through this process through this 20-week transformative program you learn martial arts you know you um you find out more about yourself i think i think that's the thing that everyone can agree on we've had 10,000 plus people complete this program worldwide and i think the common thing they'll tell you is you know i learned something about myself i i, I broke boundaries i pushed the limits and um i challenged myself in a way that and, and accomplish things that I, that I never thought I could, because not, not everybody is, in fact, this program isn't made to create, you know, the, the, the next top fighter. That's not, that's not what we're trying to do here. We're just trying to, um, you know, get more people training. What we feel is, is the best. Um, first of all, I think it's the best fitness um, program in the world. Uh, martial arts, mental, physical, spiritual, captures all of those things but I, I just think the world would would be a better place if, if 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 more people trained and that's what we're trying to do get people fit get people living kind of the martial arts way and um you know you're gonna learn some self-defense you're gonna learn things that you'll take with you well beyond this 20-week program even if you decide to stay and join your gym you know that's fantastic that's what we hope everyone do but even if you walk away and just said hey that was something that i wanted to accomplish and, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm going to go find something else because I, I do find that we have a lot of uh, competitors that come in that aren't necessarily fight fans or that aren't necessarily trying to be a martial artist for life. But again, it's something that they want to do because it's going to help them build confidence, 
get past certain hurdles and humps in their life, they just break boundaries and just develop this confidence that I think is useful moving forward, no matter what you decide to do, whether you still want to train, whether you want to go into business, uh, relationships, whatever it may be. I think there's something, uh, some, there's something at Wimp to Warrior for everybody. I'd love for you guys to build a media workshop for media members like myself. You know, the first thing I did when I started covering the sport was to enroll in martial arts just to at least get some sort of sense of what it's like to push myself and, and learn on a day-to-day -day basis um, the techniques and, and everything that is associated with covering the sport. But I think it, it would be a very helpful thing for a lot of people to do uh, if, they're, if they're going to be covering the sport for a living. I totally agree. And, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I've challenged a couple of people in the media, um, well, one publicly – uh, when I was in Vegas a few weeks ago and I, I went to go visit Helen and, and the schmo, I challenged him um, to enter uh, the Extreme Couture series when we get that up and running. Um, I will do the same with you, Aaron. Um, when we get to your neck of the woods, eventually you have to join the program. All right. Well, I will gladly do that. I'd, I'd be uh... – it would be uh, my honor to do so. Well, Rich, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, and hopefully we can speak again soon. I can get another uh, one of those great matchups out of you uh, to, to share with the folks out there. I appreciate your time and, uh, and your honesty with me. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. And I'd love to come back anytime, buddy. Pleased to be joined now by KB Buller, who will be making his return to the cage at Unified MMA 40. That is on August the 14th. Uh, make sure you check that out on UFC Fight Pass. So you're back in the cage, light heavyweight fight. Uh, first off, I applaud you because a lot of people, they get to the UFC. Once they are released from the UFC, you, you don't see them fight again for years or they just stop fighting. They've reached the big show. You wanted to get right back on the horse. Yeah, I did. Um, I, just, I just have a... A really sour taste in my mouth after my last fight, and uh, I want to erase that and just get back to winning. Um, I'm really pissed off at myself about my last fight. I just did not. I didn't perform. I didn't throw enough, and uh, you know, I, I put myself in in the situation that, that I'm in. So I just uh, I need I need me need to get this win so what was the situation in the last fight like you mentioned the volume just wasn't there was that by design i was just uh excessively patient I, I i was creating openings to get big shots off but i wasn't throwing them and uh psychologically i don't know if like i've only had i've had 10 professional fights so I don't know if that was because I was coming off of a TKO loss and maybe he was creating subconsciously some inhibition or I don't, I don't know what it was, but it was extremely frustrating because even mentally as the fight is happening, I'm just not throwing the shots that I need to be thrown. And in the end, it was a very boring, shitty fight. So... You know, when you finish a fight like that and the third round ends and you still have a lot of gas in the tank and you just are genuinely like, fuck, like I could have done more. That is the, that is the worst feeling. That is like, honestly, it's like the, the worst feeling. And then you combine it with the fallout, it's just, 
I wanted to get back to work as soon as possible. Well, yeah, getting those two losses is obviously tough, but at the same time, your timing ended up being really good because had you not gotten signed to the UFC, who knows how long it would have been between fights because the regional scene obviously is not burgeoning right now in, in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that is true, but um, it's just not in my head how I visualized uh, things happening, but sometimes, you know... Things end up a little different, but I have to I have to earn my way back, you know. How soon after that fight did you learn that you had been released? Um, it was, I think, uh, I think like a week. I think like a week. Yeah. So I had spoken to Tanner um, after your release, and I kept saying, you know, how's KB doing? And he, he didn't really answer me. I think he, his, his idea is go talk to KB about it. <laughs> I don't think he wants to relay how you're feeling. So in the weeks after the fight, um, you know, how long did it take for you to come to terms with it and, and just say, okay, let's, let's, let's move on, let's get going? And you, you make the phone call to try to get a fight as soon as possible. Um, I received a, an email. Um, from from Zufa and uh, I knew it wasn't going to be a good email, um, and I just kind of had this like pit sitting in my stomach. Read the email, and then it was probably like the worst, one of the worst two to three days of my life, honestly. Like this fucking terrible feeling. Um, but then I said, I can handle this one of two ways. I can just, like, fucking quit. Or I can keep going and keep fighting. And ultimately, like, I can't, I can't base my career off of, off of 10 pro fights, you know. I still have a lot of improving that I can do. And uh, I just have to keep fighting and keep improving and uh, work my way back to my true potential. I was on your Instagram account. You wrote a story about your dad, about how your dad had come to Canada and was a cab driver, even though back in his village, he was basically like a king in India. Um, how much does that story resonate with you in terms of deciding to stick with this and, and really gut it out and make sure that you can do this on your own terms? Sorry, my dog was screaming. Um, <laughs> I... That's, my dad taught me a lot about just never giving up, even under shitty circumstances. I've seen both my parents um, suffer through life, through hardships, and they push through it to get to where they're at. And, you know, my dad's not a cab driver anymore. He's a successful business owner. And same with my mom. Um, being, growing up during a time when I had to see them really just thinking about like how to put food on the table for their kids, that was really hard to see. But it gave me a lot of inspiration. And um, with my situation, I've chosen this path now. I've chosen fighting as my path. So I can't just expect a steady upwards incline in terms of success. Fighting is not like that. You know, you've got to you got to be able to ride the waves. And this is kind of where you 
you get to see what you're made of. And I've seen it in teammates of my own too, so um, there's also inspiration there. After an experience like this, is, this, is it hard to still love doing this? Like, do you feel like getting a win here against Anton Tokerchuk is going to be something that helps kind of reignite your love for the sport, or did you just never lose it and you just need to keep uh, putting your passion into this? I, I never lost my love for the sport, but it's just now the, the infuriating part is that I'm fighting for so much less money and, like, the margins for error are so small. And so it's just like it puts that in me now that I like I have to win. Like I have to win because this is this is my money now. That my, like I've, I've had my opponents in my last two fights take away half of the money that I, that I thought I was going to earn. And that is uh, that's what pisses me off. And it's like I just. I don't know. I'm just fuck this guy, man. I gotta beat him. I gotta. I gotta beat him. I gotta beat him no matter what. Yeah, I guess that goes back to my first point early on. Is like a lot of these, a lot of these fighters, when they make it to the UFC, and that's like that's kind of it for them. Like that, they it's hard to go back to, you know, going back to the regional scene to earn your way back. So that's what you're driving forces right now is like you need to just keep winning and winning and winning. And that's a lot of pressure on yourself. But at the same time, if, if you're in the sport to get back to the big show and to, to prove that that first one was a blip, that's what you got to do. And, it, and a lot of fighters have uh, been unable to do that. And a lot of fighters have. You look at like Patrick Cote, a fellow Canadian. He did the same thing. So it, it's interesting to see. You can tell which fighters are all about it or about getting back into that spot and which fighters are kind of just happy to be on the regional scene. It seems like you certainly don't fall into that ladder camp. No, I need to go at this with the purpose of knowing that this is how I make a living. Uh, it's it's not something that I, I do for fun. I think as a kid, when I first started this, it was it was something that was essentially a passion project. But you can also you know it's labeled under the guise of quote unquote professional MMA, but you're nowhere near um, the level of making professional money. And now it's different. Because although there's a, a, a little bit more money at play, I, I want more. I want to uh, wanna make it to where I'm making money like other professional athletes because I'm putting in the work like other professional athletes do. What are you walking around at right now? This, like I said, this fight's at 205. I think you wanted to get whatever the quickest opportunity was, and it ends up being in this weight class. Um, this fight's at 205, but honestly, I weigh like 205. Five, so um, it's it, no no cut or anything, which is kind of nice because typically these last two weeks you kind of have to wind things down and and start considering the the weight cut as being a big thing. But uh, this time I don't have to worry about that, so that's nice. There's a light heavyweight title fight on this card as well. Are you hoping to face the winner of that fight, or are you hoping to go back to middleweight after this one? Um, the light heavyweight champion is my is my teammate Graham. And uh, he's an awesome fighter. I think he's going to be um, one to be talking about soon. Uh, I would we would never we would never fight. I think. And uh, I'm a middleweight naturally, so I'll be I'll be going back down to middleweight. This was just something that was like I needed to get a fight as soon as possible. This fight was on four weeks' notice, and and um, so it played out at 205. 
I did not realize Graham was your teammate. So that makes a lot of sense. And I know at middleweight, you've got Teddy yeah, Ash as a teammate. And Teddy Ash is uh, another great fighter uh, that has good UFC aspirations. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Teddy was the, the champion before. I mean, our, a lot of our teammates are champions in the organization. So it's good. What can you tell me about the event? Um, <laughs> is there any sort of regulations that are making this any different in the COVID era? Uh, from what I understand, it's uh, 48 hours of testing before the fights happen. Um, they've got the Alberta COVID police there, like I told you about before. So they'll be out patrolling, making things difficult. And um, it's not like the way it was in like Abu Dhabi or even in Vegas with the intense bubbles and whatnot. At least for us local fighters. I mean, I don't, I don't know if guys flying in will be having the same, same kind of stringency, but... I mean, I can't imagine it being as intense because the province now is essentially it's open pretty much. So Tanner won his last fight against Ovin St. Preux. Talking to him, I guess, the week leading up to the fight, you could just sense that he needed to get a knockout in that fight. Like it was like there was no other option for him. Uh, you know, when I was doing these, I do these TSN edge picks, and I one of my picks was Tanner to win by knockout. Just because from speaking to him, it just seemed like that determination that was, smart, was there. Smart pick. <laughs> yeah, it ended up being a very smart pick, but you could just tell from his determination that he just wasn't going to have it any other way. Yeah, um, he was sparring that camp. Like, if you were sparring him, you had to be like, he's coming to take my fucking head off. You had to be like, you had to be ready for that. Because he, uh, he was fired up and it showed. Well, this fight's going to be on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, that's good because it, it's a very big audience uh, for people that consume MMA, and there's no UFC card that week. So I think a lot of people are going to be craving mixed martial arts. Are you happy that this fight is going to be on that platform? Um, to tell you the truth, I don't really care. Um, I'm just concerned about my fight, but it, it's cool. It's cool that it's on UFC Fight Pass. I'm happy for the organization that it's there but um yeah I, I'm, I'm just mostly concerned about my fight and finally tell me about your opponent anton tokerchuk what, what do you know of him uh honestly he's just i don't know i don't know anything about him really aaron i mean he's uh he's just some body to me i gotta put away like that's what he is i don't i don't know much about him well, his last win was uh, about six years ago, so I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know much about him either. But uh, just from looking at his uh, track record, he hasn't been on any sort of roll right now. Jesus! So if if I was to lose to that guy, it would be just oh my god. Well, I'm not trying to imply that. I'm just uh, I, I'm just letting you know what his track record is. Since you're you're you're, you're, you're focused on you're focused on KB Buller, and I'm just curious uh, what you know about this guy. But I'm looking. I'm learning this on the fly. <laughs> yeah i mean oh that's not good so you'd almost rather be a guy that's on a win streak because uh because of the implications so i gotta i gotta knock him out with like a fucking double flying knee into an omoplata and then shift into like a i gotta create some i gotta go for that eddie bravo reward submission that he put out <laughs> You can do the, the mighty whiz bar. You can just watch Demetrius Johnson. He, he, I think he's giving everybody. I think he's giving guys a reward if they catch someone in a twister and then knock them out with 
with six. Oh yeah, yeah. I heard that. He's putting money up. I think he said he was putting up like twenty thousand dollars or two thousand. I don't. I don't want to put twenty. I don't want to put the amount out there. I don't know. It was, it was a good amount. I, I remember hearing, and he said, if you do this, he'll, he'll reward you. But you know what? That, that is, you said you don't care that it's on UFC Fight Pass, but they've got a big following, and they put out the highlights, right? So, I mean, if you do something outrageous, it's going to be seen by a lot of people. A lot of these fights on the regional scene, they don't have that kind of a, of a, you know, a, a deal in terms of the distribution. But this one's going to have good distribution, so if you do something wacky, a lot of people are going to see it. Oh my God! If it's twenty thousand dollars, I'm I'm hunting for that all night long. <laughs> well, don't put. I'm I, I I don't know what it is. I I'm, I don't want to. I don't want Eddie to give me a call and say you you told KB it was twenty thousand dollars. You're gonna have to do the research on your own on this one because I just heard about it on some show. I don't I don't know exactly what the number is. But hey, if it's twenty thousand, more power to you. <laughs> it's all on you, man. It's all on you. <laughs> I'll give you 20,000 Dogecoin. It's a deal. Well, anyways, uh, thanks, thanks for uh, doing this, uh, KB. Really appreciate your time, and uh, best of luck against Anton at uh, Unified 40. Again, it's uh, this coming Saturday on uh, UFC Fight Pass. Appreciate your time. Hey, thank you always, Aaron. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.